Hello and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Monday, January 30th, 2023. I'm Mike Kachopoli. Okay, here we are starting a new week, a new week of fun and frolic. I hope you had a great weekend. I had a good weekend. I had a nice relaxing weekend, a nice relaxing weekend. Didn't do too much. Watch football on Sunday like everyone else. Unfortunately, the San Francisco 49ers lost, and so there's that. Um, but, 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 there's so much to talk about. I mean, as relaxing a weekend as I had, there was still a lot going on that, you know, I tried to keep it in the background because we cover so much during the week. And, uh, and you know, it's it, it, especially last week, it was a lot. It was a lot. And I got to watch that horrible video of the beating um, uh, I, I watched it about five or six times. It's tough because, you know, the media likes to just continue beating the dead horse, right? They keep on showing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. There aren't many people like me. Most people have a life, you see. So when you're watching a show, whether it's on your local news or on Fox News, wherever you may watch it, you know, every hour things are constantly repeated because most people – don't watch like seven straight hours. <laughs> Most people aren't like me. They don't watch seven straight hours or even like uh, the morning show, like a morning show, whether it's Good Morning America, if you watch that drivel or, or, or a good show like Fox and Friends, which is, I think, three hours in the week, four hours in the weekend. Most people don't watch the whole thing. They watch maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes, at the most an hour. I watch the whole thing. So, of course, every hour, top of the hour, there's that horrible video, the horrible video, the horrible video of that horrible beating. And it, it really, I had not watched it. I had not watched it last week with the sound on. I had seen the, I had seen the video, which, which showed me enough. But then watching with the sound off, with the sound on, it was just a hundred times worse. And I find it to be a very, a very depressing, very, very haunting, haunting video that gets, it gets under your skin. I certainly got under my skin. And, uh, I started thinking about it. I started thinking about it. Thinking, what kind of a, what kind of human scum would do that to somebody? You know, as I, as I had said last week, just watching the video of it, I had said those didn't appear. <clears throat> People kept on saying cops beat him. I, I didn't see cops. I saw a gang of street thugs. I didn't see police. I've known police. I've had people in my family from New York who were police. I, I didn't recognize those five as policemen. I recognized them as, as street thugs, as thugs who got into the police department because the qualifications are so low and the training is so bad. And they've gotten to a point in the police department now because of things like to fund the police and because of high crime and police being killed and the low pay and the public spitting on police and all that stuff, where no one wants to be a police officer anymore. So when you when you have a, a, a smaller pool of people to choose from, you're going to get the bottom barrel. You're going to say, Jesus, we just need to hire. We need to get the numbers, right? It's like a police. I don't know if they have it anymore, but they used to have, or at least it was a rumor they had, this thing where they had to have certain amounts of citations written by the end of the month, right? And people would say, uh-oh, end of the month. They're going to get, they have, they have to fill their citation, the quota, the quotas. So watch out. It's the last couple of days of the month. I don't know if that was actually true or not. But anyway, that was kind of a rumor, especially back in New York, that, the, you know, the, the cops and the traffic cops and the parking cops had to fill their quotas. 
And if they don't have enough, at the end of the month, you're, they're going to get you. Where maybe earlier in the month, they would let, let it go. Well, that's kind of what's happening. Like the pool is so, they have a quarter to fill. They have a quota to fill. And they're way behind in most police departments. So now they're having to hire anybody. Anybody, any Joe or Mary off the street, they have to hire them. So the standards are lower. I wouldn't be surprised, unfortunately, if we see more of what happened in uh, in Nashville, uh, in uh, Memphis happen, because the, 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 the qualifications are so low now. And they're just accepting people. You're not getting the most qualified people anymore. You're not getting the most qualified police officers. Another thing that came to mind while I was watching that horrible, savage beating by those by those thugs is – is there no psychological profi- profiling anymore? Is there no general psychological profiling when you give someone a badge and a gun? Or especially when they're part of a, a special unit called the Scorpion Unit? You don't psychologically profile these people? The people you're putting in the inner cities, right, for the most crime, to, to blend in with the people. And well, where's the psychological profiling? Now, I know what kind of profiling there is. And that's this woke affirmative action profiling where the left likes to always say, the left has always said, you got to hire black police officers, right? Because you hire black police officers, they'll understand the inner city. They'll understand the black population and they'll treat them better than white cops who don't understand and are racist. Well, Memphis is like two out of every three people are black. It's a very black city. It's one of the blackest cities in the country. It's 65% African-American. So they put these five cops in this special unit that go into the inner city and deal with mostly blacks, and look at what happens. This ridiculous notion that, oh, you put black people, they'll understand blacks better. They won't, they won't do what white cops do to them. Well, that's nonsense because they're, hire, they're not hiring the best people. They're not hiring the best people. Black-on-black crime is huge. Black-on-black crime is some of the worst crime in the country. So if I'm a thug, right, I don't care if someone's black. These thugs in these inner cities don't care. They're killing and hurting other black people. They get off on it. They don't give a shit. They don't look for white people. They, they'll, they, they don't care. They'll kill their own. They don't care. So what you're getting now are like these thugs who find a way. Hey, let's, not that they say this out loud to each other, but it's in their minds in the psychological profile. Let's legally get in. Let, let's legally beat the shit out of people. Let's find a way to legally, with a badge and a gun, officially, with the state backing, the city backing, beat the shit out of people. Let's do that. This is a good way in, and its qualifications are so low that we'll get in quickly. And that's what happened. You're getting these people who just want to beat people up. That's what they want to do. They would do it if they didn't have a cop with a badge. And now we're finding out these kids, some of these guys did it in, in, in school, right, in frats. They were doing, there was some, one of them had some kind of a, an issue in college where there was this thing going on where it was violent. Look, this is these, this is how these people are. So they just found a way to do it legally and get a paycheck from it and have the government authorities backing them. That's what's happening. But this is all, all part of this ridiculous left-wing bullshit ideology of, oh, hire black people, hire black cops, put them in the middle, they'll understand better. And also this defund the police shit and, 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 and treat cops like shit. And, and put in Soros back DAs. So when cops do good street work and put someone behind bars and they see him out the next day, who wants to keep doing that? I would want to keep doing it. So they're losing police. I think here in San Francisco, they've lost like two or 300,000 police officers in the last few years. Cause no one wants to do this. No one wants, why put your life on the line 
for hardly any money and then be treated like shit by the people, by, by, by your, your uh, superiors, by the DAs. Why would anyone want to do that? I would want to do it. So you're getting these low-qualified people. You're getting people who simply want to go in there so they could legally beat the shit out of people. That's why people are saying, and I thought about it over the weekend, people saying, don't they know they would be, they knew that they put their cameras on. They'd have one camera. They had five cameras. So they're doing this for three or four minutes with their cameras on. Why would they do that? Why would they put themselves in a situation where they know it's on video? Why? Because they felt they had the right to do it. They felt they had the right because they're backed by the city, because they're official, because they got a badge and they're getting a paycheck. They felt they had a right. They felt that this gave them the right to do what they would not have the right to do if they weren't cops. Believe me, if they weren't cops, they wouldn't be filming that. Do you see five street thugs who go around gangs, go around beating people up, taping it? Of course not, because they know it's against the law. But these cops thought the law was going to back them up. They had the right, once they got that badge and gun and went through that nothing process to get it, they had the right to do this now. They were trained. They are backed by the state, backed by the city, backed by the authorities to be authoritarians, just like their bosses are. They had the right to do it because they are cops. That's why they videotaped it. They videotaped it because they didn't feel they were doing anything wrong. You don't videotape something when you think you're doing something illegal or wrong. Sometimes to get you a fucking murder charge or attempted murder charge. You're not going to do that. But they thought they were doing what they were hired to do. They thought they had the right to do this. They had the backing to do this. That's why they had their cameras on. That's why they did it in front of the cameras. They were showing off. They thought this was a fucking going to be a training video. I'm serious. I'm not joking. They thought it would be used as a training video. Even though, of course, every cop I have seen on TV since has said they didn't do one thing right. From the traffic stop, of course, till the end. Not one thing right. Not one thing a well-trained cop does did they do. Not one thing cops used to be trained well to do did they do. And this is a special fucking unit. A unit. But also, why give the unit the name Scorpion? I don't like these. It's almost like these military operations. I don't like these violent names. Shock and awe. Scorpion. Psychologically, it's not good psychologically to give people that kind of a name, right? I'm a scorpion. I'm going to go out there and sting. I'm going to go out there and sting. Is that what it meant? They're stinging? Why give them someone a stupid fucking name like Scorpion? It's almost like you're, you're, you're premeditating violence. So they got the badge, they got the gun, they got the paycheck, they got the name Scorpion. We're going to go out and sting, baby. We're going to go out there and kick ass and we're going to videotape it. They didn't think they were doing anything wrong. And that's a huge problem. That's a huge problem. And like I said, because no, the, the, the best qualified people don't want to go into a department anymore. That people are always talking about defunding it, shitting on it, pissing on it, not backing the police when they do good work and they, they, they catch a criminal, then he's out the next day because of a Soros backed DA. Nobody wants to do it anymore. It all comes from the left.
It all comes from the left. As usual, the left thinks they're helping and they're only hurting. Their virtue signaling only gets people hurt and killed as it has through time immemorial, okay? But it's getting worse and worse and worse. Lance, I'll get to you. Stay there. Be patient. I just want to, I, I did, I, I did want to go into, this is the extension is Whoopi Goldberg. So Whoopi Goldberg, I have a clip. Do I want to play the clip? Maybe I'll play the clip. Uh, on that horrible show, The View, on a show that should be canceled. And yeah, yeah, people will say, oh, Mike, don't you believe in freedom of speech? Yes, I do. But I also had the freedom to say it should be canceled. That's part of my freedom of speech to say Whoopi Goldberg shouldn't be on TV getting paid millions of dollars. I have the freedom of speech to say that. I have the freedom of speech to say she shouldn't be on television. I have the freedom of speech to say that that Joy Behar shouldn't be on television. Have I told you my story about Joy Behar as I look up the Whoopi Goldberg clip? Yeah, here it is. But Brian Kilmeade had actually had posted this clip, by the way. I want to give credit where credit's due. They never give me credit, by the way. It happens all the time, by the way. People at Fox will listen to the show or they'll say something, but they don't give credit. But I'm going to give credit. Brian Kilmeade put this up today. It was Whoopi Goldberg. Now, Whoopi Goldberg, 50% of the time, she's an idiot. The other half of the time, Joy Behar is an idiot. It's usually split between the two of them. The whole show sucks, but her and Behar are the worst. When I was in radio in the 90s, Joy Behar was just like a, a stand-up comic, right? She was a nobody, basically. And uh, she her first job was uh, at my radio station, WABC. They gave her like an afternoon show, like a midday show, like noon to two, something like that, five days a week. And um, she was so lazy. Joy Behar was so lazy. She wouldn't read any of the papers. All the other talk show hosts did their job. Right. Like I do now with this. I go on, I read stories, I go through Twitter, I go through Facebook, I, I look up topics, I read through them. She didn't do any of that stuff. She's just lazy. She just want, like wanted to be funny. Yeah, to have that voice and that New York voice. And that's all she wanted. She wanted a New York voice and personality to carry her through life. So she did like no work. She was totally lazy, did, was ill-informed. Hey, what do you know? Ill-informed. Have you watched The View? They're all ill-informed. They all say things and then they have to go back and half the time they don't bother apologizing. They have to go back and apologize because they get things wrong. They get things totally wrong. Like the, like when Joy Behar said that the DA that that uh, that prosecuted uh, that that Alec Baldwin was a Republican and they were Democrats. She had to come back and say, oh, no, she just, she just assumed she could have done that. You would think someone making how much fucking money does she make? Does she make 20, 40, 50 million dollars a year? What kind of crazy money is Joy Behar making? And she can't. And they, they must have like 37 producers each. And no one goes on Google and tries to find out a simple thing. The D.A. who that's the first thing I would do is the D.A. that charge Alec Baldwin a Republican or a Democrat. But she doesn't even book. She's so fucking lazy. She doesn't bother doing that. She doesn't even bother asking the producer to do it. And the producers are so lazy because the fish stinks from the head down. They don't do it. So she goes on and she lies, trying to make it a political thing when it wasn't. And this is why she was fired at ABC. This is why my boss, John, fired her, because she was so lazy. The show was terrible. You do a news talk show 10 hours a week and you're totally ill-informed. About everything. So that was Joy Behar's first venture. And then she got lucky and Barbara Walters took a liking to her and she got on that show, The View. And of course, the rest is history. But that laziness, that intellectual laziness has continued. But now she's on a TV show with four other people, makes it easier. And they all play off each other. They're all so dumb. They all play off each other. And, uh, and they have a dumb audience. They have a dumb demographic and it works.
as far as as far as ratings goes. I don't know what their ratings are lately. But earlier, Whoopi Goldberg said this, if I can cue it up. When will the brutality finally lead to some police reform from the ground up? Because clearly, it doesn't matter if it's a white policeman or a black policeman. It is a problem in the police and the policing itself. You know, seems things don't seem to make sense to people unless it's somebody they can feel or they can recognize. Mm -hmm. But how many times do we have, do we need to see white people also get beaten before anybody will do anything? I'm not suggesting that. So don't write us and tell me what a, you know, what a racist I am. Yes, we are, because you are a racist. Why did you say it? Why does she say that? Do we need to see white people also get beaten before anyone do anything? And this shows how stupid she is. She Does she really believe that white people don't get beaten up and killed? She believes that white people don't get beaten up and killed. Only black people get beaten up and killed. Why? Because her news media, her friends in the legacy media don't show when a white person's beat up and killed. Why don't her friends in the legacy media show when a white person is beat up and killed? How come they only show when a black person is beat up and killed? I wonder why they do that. I wonder why they do it. They do it for the same reason you're hearing these race shucksters, okay, trying to make this a racial thing. I told you people would try. I told you people in the media would try to make this five black cops bring up a black guy a racial thing. Why? Because it makes them wealthy. It makes them richer. Race sells. Then it causes a race riot and that they show that and that sells. Then they get about a month or so out of the race riots like they did in the summer of 2020. The legacy media wants race riots. They want people's blood boiling and they want videotape of looting and destroying of our own country. This is what they want. It gets them ratings, which gets them power, which gets them money. How many times have I said that on this show? They love it. They were die- they were hoping for race riots. I knew they wouldn't. Be- I knew there wouldn't be any. I knew there wouldn't be any because most people in this country could see five black cops, black victim, not race. Most people aren't fucking morons, race hucksters like Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar, and they would see that, and there'd be no riots. And here we are, seventy-two hours later, no riots. I knew it. Okay, so let's give the American people some credit here. But the legacy media wanted it. Oh, they wanted race riots. It had been two and a half years, two and a half long years since the last race riots. And COVID is fizzling out. COVID's fizzling out. We need race riots. We need ratings again. MSNBC in the dumps. CNN is in the shitter. They may not, there may not be a CNN after the next election. They wanted those riots badly. You could feel it. You could feel it. Let's talk race. Let's play that video over and over and talk race and play the video over and over and make it about something it's not so we can get race riots, so we can get ratings. That's what they wanted. To be so dumb as to think that white people don't get beat up and killed. You have to be a fucking idiot. I know her media doesn't show it, but does she really believe that? And then to just honestly say, do we need to see white people getting beat up and killed? And then said, well, I really don't want that. So why did it come out of your vile mouth? 
Why did it come out of your vile mouth? Why don't you just make Sister Act 37 and shut the fuck up? Lance, calm me down, Lance. Calm me down. Hey, Lance, you there? Hello, Lance. Calling Lance. Lance, you there? Lance, hello. Hello, Lance. Hello, Lance. Lance, I cannot hear you. Lance, are you there? I see your mic is not muted, but I can't seem to hear you. Let me try it again. Let's try it again. Hello, Lance, are you there? Can anyone else hear Lance? Because I can't hear Lance. Nope. I cannot hear you, Lance. There might be something wrong with your microphone or something, but I got your volume way up, and I don't hear you. Well, we'll keep you right there. Maybe you'll come on eventually. Um... Make you a speaker? Okay, hold on a second. Let's see if we can do it that way. Let's see if we can do it that way. I just invite you to speak. Lance, you there? Nope. You see, I invite you to speak, but I'm not. I'll leave, I'll leave you there if you want to, if it works. But I don't, I don't. Hold on a second. Hold on. I'm going to remove you, and we're going to try to see if Daniel can. Daniel, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Could you hear Lance? Yeah, I'm. I'm calling in to just make sure that the call in is is working properly, and it looks like it is. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's working. Right, but I could I could not hear Lance. So, so Lance, if you want to if you want to speak, I'll, I'll get off um, as soon as you um, as soon as you call in again. Um, I just wanted to say, um, okay, Lance wants to. No, wait, wait. Well, Dan, Dan, you could talk, then we'll go to Lance. What what do you want to say? Good. Yeah. um, Although um, blacks are about two and a half times more likely to um, be engaged in fatal interactions with police in the United States because there are. Uh, because they're only blacks are only about thirteen percent of the population, uh, it, it turns out that about three times as many as fatal interactions are, are with non-blacks. So, if Whoopi wants uh, uh, examples of fatal interactions with police um, with non-blacks, uh, she will have no problem finding them. Um, whether they will be of the same nature, who knows? Um, but our media is clearly not interested in finding out. Well, our media is also not interested in a lot of things. You know, they'll they like to highlight the narrative they want to. We we saw that during COVID. We we all know that. You and I know that. And so they want to highlight the narrative they want to, which is they'll say something like you just said. They'll say blacks are two and a half more. We have the statistics, and it shows blacks are two and a half times more likely to have some kind of a confrontation with police. And but they only make up okay this percentage of of population. But then they don't, they won't look at the statistics. That show that the in, an inordinate amount of crime is committed by African Americans. 
even though they make up such a small percentage of the population. That they won't talk about because that's that feels uncomfortable to go there. You see, it felt uncomfortable. It, it felt very comfortable to talk about the death toll for COVID, but it felt very uncomfortable to like really dive into those numbers and with COVID, of COVID, hospitals doing it just to make extra money, calling it a COVID. They don't want to go there, you see. They don't want to go to the uncomfortable places that that shatter their narrative. There they don't want to go. And and when you don't want to go to those places and you don't want to tell the whole story, I don't want to hear your side at all. If you're only going to tell half the story or 25% of the story, don't fucking talk to me. I don't want to hear about it. If you're, if you're, if you're intellectually a curious person... If you are an honest person, if you are an emotionally, intellectually honest person and don't mind delving into the other stats that make you feel uncomfortable and maybe break your life narrative, then we can talk. But there's way too much of this cherry picking what we want to say, what the media, legacy media wants to say in order to push their narrative. The, 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 in other words, accentuate the facts they want and omit the ones they don't like. We've seen that, right? We saw it during COVID. Just omit things. If you, you, you defies the video, omit it. Don't show it. It doesn't exist. All the Twitter files, 20 Twitter files, don't show them. Don't exist. doesn't exist. It hurts our narrative. It's uncomfortable. We don't want to deal with it. And so now we're seeing it with this issue. And then you have morons like Whoopi Goldberg saying the most ridiculous things. Like, do we have to see white people? Well, you know what? Yeah, maybe the legacy media should show white people being beaten. And more often, but they don't because it doesn't fit into their narrative. That's why it doesn't fit into the, their narrative. And I have said it a million times over. It's not about race. Very, very few of these instances in the 21st century are about race. Yes, of course, there's always an, a racist here and there. You can you have racist people. You can have racist cops. But the narrative is power. The narrative is having power. These five thugs had power over this guy and it got them fucking off. They loved it. They were videotaping it, Daniel, because they were video. It's like they're videotaping. It's like when people videotape an orgy, right? It's like they want to show the world. Look how, how we got off on this. They thought they were doing the right thing, the true thing, the virtuous thing, the thing they've been paid and trained to do. Beat the shit out of people who don't do exactly as they say. Did you see how many commands they gave? Seventy-five commands in three minutes. Yeah, I, I haven't watched the video. Um... Well, um, and, and, contradictory, and contradictory commands too. Yeah, go on yeah. your back. Go on your stomach. Go on your side. No one could have followed that yeah, because one, you had one, five different personalities. Five. Why were there five guys? Five guys for a traffic violation. Why? I have no idea. Um, I don't. All I'm hearing so far is the media um, tell tell their story, and I simply don't trust the uh, fourth estate any longer. So I, I haven't watched the video. I would really like to hear. Um, more sides of this story, as gruesome as I've heard the the uh, video is um, from people. Um, I, like I said, I have not watched it. Um, I am tired of the media um, presenting a one-sided narrative. And um, I, I'm, I'm going to wait for the facts to come out here, all, all the facts, or at least a um, preponderance of the facts. Um, it's um, when... when when, when, when only half of the, the facts are presented, um, whether it's by Whoopi Goldberg or, any, or anybody else, you miss almost the entirety of the solution. Oh, sure. And, yes, no doubt about it. Yeah, you're not getting the full picture of things. And yeah. if you don't get the full picture, you know, as a scientist, you can't. Where do you start with, with making things better or changing things? You, you can't. You can't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> until, until you're willing to give up your narrative, 
until you're willing to stop being in love with your stupid ideas, until you're willing to be the first person to find 10 ways in which you're wrong, then you're not a serious part of the solution. Um, so I'm, I'm going to get off just in case the Lance wants to get back on here. No problem. Thanks, Daniel. I appreciate it. Okay, let's try to go to Lance. We'll, we'll try to go to Lance. Lance, are you fixed? Hello, Lance. Lance? Lance, is there something wrong with your phone or the app? You might have to... I'll be like a uh, like one of the tech advisors, you know. Could you? Well, actually, they they're not usually in America. They're usually in India. But you know, can you turn it off and turn it back on again? Maybe you have to do that. Maybe turn it off, turn the app off, or turn the phone off and turn it back on again. Usually, they say that is. And you know what? Shockingly, half the time that works. Half the time that works. It's so weird. I'll get mad sometimes. I'll say, "Damn it, that never works," and I'll do it and it works. So if you want to shut it off. And come back in, we can definitely do that. I mean, because there are so many stories. There are so many things going on. But I really want to highlight this. And uh, it really proves that, you know, you have to be able to be uncomfortable enough to be okay with being uncomfortable, let's say, and, and giving the parts of the story that are the dark. That don't make you comfortable. Coming outside your comfort zone to get all the facts, right? Coming outside your comfort zone. But to not be able to intellectually understand that white people do get beat up. White people do get killed. White people get abused by cops. White people get abused by black people. White people get abused by other black white people. But because the media doesn't show the stories. Because it doesn't fit into their narrative, right? It doesn't fit into their white supremacy narrative it doesn't fit into their racism white on black racism narrative they don't show it they don't show it a video of a white person getting beat up doesn't get the blood boiling doesn't get the american blood boiling the way a video of a black person getting beat up especially by white people does and it doesn't get the ratings for the media it doesn't get the hits it doesn't get the views it doesn't get the race riots it doesn't get all that stuff so we don't see it but to not know that even though we don't see it, even though her, her legacy media buddies don't show it, that it doesn't happen often, many, many thousands of times every day, you have to be an idiot. You have to be an idiot. And to say, do we have to see white people? Maybe we should. Maybe we should show white people getting beat up. Maybe we should show white people when, when, a, when a cop does something illegal to a white person or overreach against a white person or when a white per Hey, how come the media doesn't show white people getting beat up by blacks more? How come they don't show that? How come they don't show white people getting like assaulted and killed by black people? All the how come they don't show those videos? It happens a lot. It happens every day. Happening now as we're talking. How come the media doesn't show that? How come me doesn't show that, Whoopi? So, yeah, Whoopi, I think you're right. Maybe we do need to see those videos more. Not for the reason you're saying. Not for the reason you're thinking. But we're never going to see that stuff. It doesn't play into their narrative. It doesn't play into their narrative of white people preying on black people, of white supremacy, of Trumpy, Trumpy, Trumpers, of all that bullshit that they come up with. 
But it should really annoy everybody that these people make so much money. It really, that these morons make so much money. And they're true morons. I don't, it's not even like a debate. They're morons. And they play to other morons who don't think, who have no critical thinking ability, who don't think of, oh, what? yes, you're right, Whoopi. Oh, yeah, until we see white people. Why don't they show that? It doesn't happen in this world. It's, it's mind-blowing how ignorant these people are, how willfully ignorant these people are. Lance, are we going to try you again? What's up? You're there. Yeah, Did, it work? Going. Did it work? Did the reset work? Did the great reset work? <laughs> I guess. Can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear. Loud and clear. The circle, the, the vibrating circle, dude, the vibrating circle. Right? Are- <laughs> Is that what we're calling it now? The vibrating oh my, circle? Well, no, but if it does, I could tell it wasn't working, could, but when you see the little circle vibrate, yeah, the circle's baby, vibrate. give me that <laughs> vibrating circle, baby. <laughs> it, sound, it sounds like a, a vibrating circle. It's something you see in a triple uh, X movie. I know, right? <laughs> Give me that vibrating circle, baby. I'll make it come all night. <laughs> oh, it does. Sounds like a vibrating cock ring or something, right? And then you're getting so nasty. No, I'm joking. So, I mean, what do you mean getting? What do you mean getting? We do I'm need to lighten nasty. things up. Do you know how? Can you believe how dumb Whoopi Goldberg is? Well, I know you can believe it. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. No, you know, I'm in love with Whoopi, and I know that everything she said is so profound and everything. <laughs> Yes. No, no, joy, no, joy is even more profound. I, yeah, I go back and no. forth thinking, which one is more profound? Yeah. Joy no, is I mean, profound. come on. Yeah, yeah. That, that's like pretty low-hanging fruit, don't you think, Mike? But You know, is, is, you know, you know sticking on our, 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 our platform of thinking, it takes the joy out of Whoopi, doesn't it? Oh, <laughs> my goodness, right. Whoopi out of joy. Yeah, uh, uh, but, but this, yeah, that's like, say, headline, sun rose today, likely to, you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, um, well, see, the thing about the race thing, I don't, I just actually, this is twice in one night that I brought up this personal anecdote that um, I don't talk about a lot unless it comes up specifically in conversation. But I had something that was <laughs> two degrees maybe away from a George Floyd moment. I don't want to make light of that. I got mugged at the bus station. I must have had back and forth word with a cop, I, drunk and whatever. He grabbed my arms on the way out to go outside and wait for the bus. Grabbed my arms, pushed me down. I broke a tooth, broke a nose. I had to get a bridge for my teeth and all that for one the tooth got knocked out. When, Held me when down was on my this? own. When was this? When was this? Oh, several years ago, seven, less than oh, 10 really? years ago. But yeah. And, uh, this downtown series. And, uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, he held me down on my own blood and I realized I can't breathe. <laughs> literally, right? You literally, so, could, you, really, you literally couldn't breathe. You really I was gurgling. Okay, so it was a head wound. He broke my nose. I was bloody. You should have seen. They gave me an MRI later, you know, when I finally went to the hospital. Because they're like, man, what's up, man? You know, you're a mess. I was covered with cake blood. He held me down for 20 minutes until the medics came in my own blood. Uh, okay, with my head straight down into my own blood. And I kept trying to push up, you know, with my the back of my neck so I could try to breathe. And I realized, oh, he's not letting me. So finally what I had to do was relax, try to hold my breath the best I could, and kind of just like wait, kind of wait, kind of wait for him to call, you know, until he slightly reduced so that finally I could at least lift my head up a couple inches to then quickly turn to the side like a swimmer would when they're swimming. That's frightening. That's frightening. Okay, okay. So now it's my ear. Fine. I'll fill up my ear, but not my lung with blood. You know, I can still, I can breathe now. So for another however many, several minutes, 
Can I get up? Please get a little. Nope, nope, nope. Finally, I get up. I get into the thing, and they take me to the hospital, and they do the MRI, and they gave me stitches. I had a broken nose. They knocked out a tooth. And uh, then I went to jail for 30 hours before I got a phone call. I had plenty of bail money. I wasn't like these poor slobs, you know, for whatever, you know, whatever it was. But 30 hours before I got a phone call. And get this. I'm white as fuck, right? Guess what? The cop was black. Yeah, see, you didn't, the, where was the video? Was the video of the, the cop was black. I went to the DA, or I mean the um, public defender I had, right? So he said, look, there's a lawsuit. Is there video? <laughs> and this is like the hour before court, because that's all you get. But at least he gave me that hour. We didn't show up in court, even for the first appearance. I went back. I'm like, man, there's a big camera where he did it. And there's like a million cameras, you know, t- literally 20 cameras inside. He goes, well, if everything you told me verbally is true, we have a lawsuit. I didn't wind up suing. It's too small as I'm whatever. I probably would have won. But anyway, he said there's too many ways to defend, to defend it. My, uh, my public defender was a former cop. But anyway, he's like, this is like crazy, dude. This, this is crazy. But so, and I'm white as you can get. And a cop was black. And that's what happened to me. Yep. And the video wasn't on the news, huh? No, nah, I didn't. I didn't want any of that. If I was going to do that, it was going to go all the way. No, 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 no. No, no, no. They, they they wouldn't care anyway because the race element was reversed. With no, them. but uh, you know, if I had it to do over, maybe I should have sued the bastard. But you know, no, I, you know, I didn't. Yeah, but the, the the point you're making is great. This happens all the time to white people. Also, it's not. Just well, the people. thing is, the thing is, though, right? It's like plenty of violence happens to like yeah, rural white people too. But of course, this dude, it was like they wanted to use this guy to piano because he was black. There's no question about it, but I mean, so it's like, of course, the racing's there. In other words, you know, because in other words, here's the difference. Here's the difference, Mike. Mm-hmm. When I have nice clothes on, and I go out to the suburbs. I get the white privilege. I get treated different. I just do. <laughs> That's why it's about zip codes. When I get messed with other times, not that time, but there's plenty of other examples that were a lot less harsh. You know, uh, a couple times wind up in jail overnight because they searched my pockets and found pot. No probable cause. Yeah, too bad about right. What are you doing down here? You must be a nigger lover. So what are you doing down here? You deserve whatever treatment we give you. Why are you down here in the first place? You deserve whatever whatever you get if you're going to associate with these people. That's how they do Yeah, look, the fact of the matter is, is that, and with that cop with you, it was a, it was a power thing. He had the power. He had the gun. He had the badge. He had the mace. He had the taser. You power thing. You are. Yeah, but all that power dynamic, whether you're white or black, it only happens in predominantly black neighborhoods. Like I said, the same me, me, the same way, dude. When I go out to the suburbs, I get treated totally differently. Well, you look, see? Lance, the fact of the matter is, there's, 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 there's more. There's more crime in the in the predominantly black neighborhood. I don't know though. You want to know something? Per capita, right? Drugs are right, spent right, on by right, white people. Right. Listen, wait, 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 wait. Let me just tell you. Yeah. If you wanted to check people for drugs and do like a roadblock in suburb, believe me, I lived in white middle class suburbia, right, 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 upper right. middle class, right? And right. you wanted to check everybody for like DWI or DUI and do yeah. road checks and drugs, you could arrest as many people in the suburbs as in yeah. the inner city if that's where you no, put. No. But I'm talking more about violent crime. I'm talking more about violent crime. And there's a lot of abuse, like spousal abuse. Are you kidding me? What do you think happens when people beat their wives? There are just as many well, people cops, beating cops their wives in the suburbs. Cops, cops who live in the suburbs beat their wives more yeah. than regular people. Wait, I, cops, get a, I yes, well, it's a very difficult job. It, psychologically, that really does screw up. Well, just It's just like uh, Vietnam veterans, Army veterans. They come back here. They're very screwed up psychologically, a lot of them. 
That's why they can't find police. And hey, but after we had 20 years of war or 15, and you say, yeah, I'm going to go in. I know I'm going to get PTSD. No, screw it. They're a big adult. Nobody has a gun to their head. It's a volunteer army. Fuck the cops and fuck the soldiers that decide to do it for whatever reason. No, they can suck my... You're bringing up another issue here. We don't have a, We don't have enough mental health access, and we don't put enough emphasis on mental health in so many different areas. And we can't. It could be a volunteer. So we let psychos go in the army. We didn't use to let psychos go in the army, but now we're desperate for soldiers because we only got 1%. We got to keep sending them back into the meat grinder. So we keep getting psychos now. We didn't use to let psychos in the army, and now we do. They go in psycho, so now they come up super psycho. We used to have regular people that get battle fatigue and PTSD. Now we send in psychos, so they come up. So why don't, why, so you're saying the same thing I'm saying. You're saying the pool is, the pool, the pool is smaller. So they're accepting less qualified people. And sometimes they're accepting people psychologically with psychological profiles they normally would not allow in. Well, maybe if we, yeah, right. So maybe if we didn't spend a trillion dollars a year on the military for these fake wars where we haven't even had a mouse, we haven't had a mouse, literally, we haven't had a mouse attack us since World War II. And we spend a trillion a year on. I know we've no we I know we haven't had any kind of personal. You're right. World War II, Pearl Harbor was the last real attack on American soil. You're right. A mouse, a, yep. a mouse, any of our territory, anywhere, ever, a mouse. And I know, I know what you're saying. But what I'm, what you're talking about here with the police department, and also now another element I I I, I just thought about now is the whole vaccine mandate thing. The whole vaccine mandate. They fired like three, four thousand people from the military. They fired people from the police departments. You had to get the vaccine. That has also lowered the pool. That has also allowed less qualified people to come in because of the fucking all the people you're eliminating. You're you fire them. You're not hiring them because of the ass asinine anti science vaccine mandate. Lance, but this all comes from the fucking Democrats. This all comes from the left. This all comes from the same people who claim to say, oh, oh we're anti, anti-war, anti-war, anti-this, anti-that, yet they're not allowing the best people to go into the military. They're not allowing the best people to go into policing, and then they get this stuff. Then they get the psychos that you talk about in the military and in the police department doing these crazy fucking things, black, white, or whatever it may be. And so you have to look at the policies the policies, let's put it this way. If I'm 20 years old now, if I was 20 years old, if it was 30 years, if it was 30 years ago, and I'm thinking, okay, I'll, maybe I'll become a cop. But now I'm thinking about the pros and cons. Wait a minute. So maybe at one point, I don't know if it's still the case, maybe. Yeah, New York City, I think it still is the same case. You have to be vaccinated. Okay, I don't want them. I'm not getting the vaccine. That eliminates that. Eliminates that. Okay, so I, I do good work, and I, I'm an honest cop, and I, and I go find criminals, and the next day the DA has them back on the streets again. Well, what am I doing? What's my job description? What's the what's the point of doing a job? I think that is the biggest drag on people becoming police and reason why people are leaving is because you do good work. You do good work. You do your job. You're an honest cop. You do your job. You find the actual bad guy. You do your work. You find the actual bad guy. You got your informants on the street. Some cops, especially detectives, pay them out of their pocket. They find that. And then the next day, they're out. Now, can I tell you why? Can I, can I push back a little bit there, buddy, for a of second? Course. Yeah, yeah, of course. My friend, uh, Julie Jones, this is an interesting little anecdote. Her boyfriend, who she had two kids with, 
with Bobby Lundy. He needed meds. Okay, I don't. I'm horribly against like you know meds, but for sometimes they need them. He was a, like a number seven in the Northeast in Tiger Kung Fu. I mean, he, he, the top of, literally, the, <laughs> he was the baddest guy in town. You know, this is a town of, you know, okay. So, okay. So, Julie Jones got raped. She was a very strong, independent woman, single mother, you know, had two kids with Bobby. She got raped. This guy, Mike Spike. And after the rape, she's like, all right, you know, he's bigger than me. But, uh, and then he wanted to drag her out. He grabbed and had a scissors in his hand. And she's like, uh-oh, he's going to kill me. She lo- literally was able to grab some mace off the shelf, naked, out, walk, running off, frayed him, ran away, right? Naked <laughs> to the nearest house and called the cops. So that was it. Nobody got, she didn't get stabbed and he got away. She knew she couldn't finger him even to the cops because he knew cops. Right. That he would have killed him. He was crazy. No, he would have killed him. There's no question. Mike Spike was dead. You see? Yeah. She said, what am I going to do? I can't give this guy a death sentence. I'm okay. You know? I don't want to. All right. She, she became a cop. All right. So she, <laughs> and she learned Kung Fu. And she, and she became like a deep cover, like something you'd see in a freaking TV show. She's like 4'11", but she was badass, black belt. And they would do, let her get, you know, do these things and come in at the last minute with Vice Squad, all this stuff, undercover, deep, deep cover, man. Okay. And so that's what she did. But she quit the sheriff's department after like a year because they were so racist and she joined the city cops because they were more representative and, you know, whatever. Okay. So, you know, I'm not anti-cop, that's for sure. And my mom works in the DA's office in a Republican town for 17 years. So I, I you know, I'm, they were wonderful people in there. Judge Merrill, very strict judge, conservative. You know, I respect the guy. I used to go to lunch with my mom, total respect, regardless of my politics. And so, you know, but, so, but yeah, so, so that, that was my experience with, uh, with Julie. I remember running into her on the street. I gave her a big hug. She's in uniform on a Saturday. My, hey, Julie, she's with a partner and I'm look like an, like a hippie, you know, scrunch guy. He's like, That's okay. He's my buddy and all that. Um, you know, but, um, now there was a point to that, but it's like, uh, you know, so, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So cops, cops don't join. They don't leave because that's what, that's why they join. It's not maybe so dramatic as that. Okay, just like they join banking or insurance, they want to help people get loans and they want to make sure people don't get ripped off and they want to make sure that they put the screw to somebody who can pay the mortgage and does, you know, so they're not exactly. being going in with yes. pansy. Okay, they're not going in like it's a charity, it's capitalism. But when you go in with, and it's all a warrior mentality, okay, we get 20 re- weeks of training to, on average. It's like two years in Europe or 18 months or sometimes three years and ongoing training and they pay them amazingly and they learn conflict resolution and they learn all this de, de, you know, de-escalation. They're not trained to be warriors and hate the people that they're originally going in to try to defend or, you know, to so-called defend and protect. It's just, it's just insane what we do, how we train our cops or don't, you know, so that, 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 you know, so, you know, so yeah. Most people go into the business they're going into for positive reasons. They do. Right. You can't, you can't, you can't go into something for nefarious reasons for 40 years. It's not going to hundred percent. You're not going to be able to do the job. So for the most part, yeah, right. Now, most people go in for positive, for, for, for the right reasons. Some people go in for the wrong reasons. Then there are others who go in for the right reason and they get warped, right? Things get warped on them while they're in. No, they, they all do. 
Well, look at Serpico. You've seen the movie Serpico. No, no, what I'm saying, though, it's like if you want to be a banker now, it's not like it used to be. You can't be a good guy banker or a good guy cop. You have to buy into the violent mentality. You have to buy into the no empathy, even if it's poor people who are just a little bit late on a mortgage so we can repossess their house and make a lot of money. No. No, you can't. And this is something, listen to Ralph, okay, so listen to Ralph Nader. I know maybe he's a lefty. He says to the Harvard grads, he said, look, a lot of lawyers, here's what they do. They work during the day helping corporations get away with a lot of bad stuff with people and environment. Then they do pro bono work. That's always been the case. He said, so, you know, to alleviate. But if you want to, if you want to really do good, you got to, you got to buck against the system because you, you have to sell out. I'm not, I'm not trying to make people into demons. I'm saying that no, the people are leaving. The cop thing, because they don't want to have to be a violent warrior mentality. They go in with the idea of I want to I want to really stop crime and not just be a violent warrior. That's why they got to get rid of these scorpion groups, because they're the ones that dominate the entire police force. That's why the medical people waited for 22 minutes. Why? Because those medical people were evil. No, because they knew that these scorpion guys were violent, and they knew that if they helped this guy after they were the ones that defeated. Well, no, no, no. Well, there might be a different. There might be a different angle to that because two of those EMT workers were arrested. By the way, what I'm saying is because yeah. they were evil to begin with. Either Mike, it's because they were all intimidated because that's who the scorpion guys are. We're the violent gang in this place, and if you do anything to help this guy, we're gonna fuck with you later. That's why they didn't help this guy. Because they were evil. Because the evil of the scorpions completely infected and made the entire police force toxic. That's why people leave. Not because, oh, we're, they're so mean to us now. In the put- no, 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 no. Lance, it's a multi-layered. Come on. It's a, it's a multi-layered cake here. I, I, I don't. I, I- Mostly it's what I'm talking about. Very few. Yeah, leave the- I don't discount what you're saying. Go in with good intentions. And it's like, we came with good intentions, right. but the people don't love us. They knew when they went in that they're going to have hostility. No, they're not that kind of pansy when they go in. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's no, a canard no, no, no. and it's a false thing. They're leaving because of the toxicity of these violent assholes. And that's why they leave. The good ones leave. The toxic. No, but the good ones, same thing we need when it comes to health, when it comes to the, the medical industry, when it comes to things like COVID and bad doctors. Good doctors. They're all bad. They have to be evil. Lance, let me talk. Good doctors have to be evil. Let me, let me talk, Lance. The good up and they didn't. We saw that during COVID, right? The good doctors simply didn't speak up, right? And whatever the reasons may be, their, their reasons, their excuses are their own. Oh, we'd be chastised. Oh, the Fauci mafia would come after us, whatever it may be. The good doctors didn't speak up. A few of them did. I, I don't want to discount Jay Bhattacharya and Marty McCarry and Peter McCullough and all those people. But not enough. They need to be a groundswell. I'm talking millions of good doctors around the world who spoke up against the bad doctors like Fauci and the bad medicine and the bad advice and the bad science. And we just we need the same thing with police. What was that? The thin blue line thing, whatever, maybe this whole idea of you can't rat on your brother. You can't rat. It's all bullshit, because as you said, it spoils a few of them spoil everything and make others uncomfortable. Look at the movie Serpico. All right. He went in very idealistic, thought he was going in as a young guy to help people, to help people in New York, to help people, to help the citizens, to protect and serve. And he found this very corrupt unit, very corrupt cops who were taking money under the table and whatever it may be. And he spoke up but he's like one of the few right so they made a movie about it if there were mil- if there were 10 million of them speaking up there wouldn't have been a movie to make the reason why it was so unique and a movie was made about Serpico's because he was the only one who spoke up about it 
So it, 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 it doesn't it doesn't work when it's just one or two or three, like with McCarry and McCullough and and uh, and Bhattacharya. It works when there's a groundswell. So you need a we need a groundswell of good cops to talk about why why work in an environment where you're so uncomfortable. Get rid of the bad crap, and then you'll have a much more comfortable working environment. But in order to get rid of the bad crap, you need to speak up. Like just like with the medical, in order to get rid of the bad shit like Fauci, believe me, if a million doctors came out and went after Fauci, Fauci would have been he would have disintegrated. He would have melted. It didn't happen. And we see the same thing with the police bomb. They look the other way. Right. They don't say anything. And their reasons could be anything. Their reasons could be they're afraid of retribution, afraid of being, you know, being uh, chastised by their fellow police officers, being called a rat, whatever it may be. The reasons are their own. Things will start changing within the medical industry when the good doctors start talking about the bad doctors and weeding them out. And it'll change in policing when the good police start talking out about the bad police and start exposing them. That is when things will start changing. And I don't think you can, uh, you know, I don't think you can disagree with that. Can you, Lance? Lance still there? Yep. Yeah, uh, I guess what I'm saying is that it's, uh, well, just what I said. It's like they, they weed them out. In other words, it's not, in other words, it's not a few bad It's a rotten barrel, and the good apples are like, oh, my God, I'm surrounded by rotten apples. I'm getting the fuck back out. And that's true in so many different, uh, in so many different realms. It's like you have to sell out. You have to be, you have to be, you know, you have to get rid of your empathy in finance, in, in business, uh, in, uh, you know, cops. doesn't matter what it is. We weed out the empathy and, and we make it so that the, the greed and the corporate profit at all costs, it translates into just this kind of perverse thing where it's like you can't, you, you just can't be nice. You make more money by being ruthless in the medical profession. You make more money by being ruthless in the prison system. You make more money by being ruthless in the banking industry. You make more money by being ruthless in any industry. Everything's financialized. You have to be ruthless to your, in other words, like if, uh, academia. You want me to hate academia? 80% faculty, 20% administrative, like 40 years ago. Yeah, I know. It's 80% administrative and 20% faculty. Right. And it's adjuncts. Yep. Exactly. Well, yeah. same thing with cops. Okay, so in other words, what I'm saying, one last quick point. So yeah. in Europe, like I said, they have 18 months, two years, three years, two years. They train these guys. I know. And they it's make a, a lot of money. Yep, 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 yep. yep, yep. It's a much longer training process, and, then, and they get paid much better. Because they want better quality, clients. Simple. They simply want better quality. So they pay more, and they train longer. And you know what? Wow, what a shock. They pay more, they train longer, and they get better quality, right? Right? Quality people, they get more educated. Republicans, the Republicans are making as much money off the private prison and the Demo, as the Democrats. It's not. No, I understand. Yeah. But I'm just countries. And that's it. And that's what it comes down to. They get a better pool of people, right? That's what it comes to. They get a better quality person. It's really that simple, right? We have such. This is the problem with this country. We have. 
too much, too much shit in the police department, too much shit in the military, too much shit in politics, too much shit in the White House. That's the problem here. I mean, it's, it's from the head down, baby. It's not just it's not just the people making thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year. It's the people making millions of dollars a year. Lance, look at the low quality on television. Look at the people making big money on television, the Joy Behars and the Whoopi Goldbergs. There aren't. Wait a minute. You're telling me there aren't more highly intellectual people than that? There aren't people smarter than I know there are people smarter than Joy Behar. There, there aren't smarter people. Than, there aren't more qualified people than Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg to be on television five days a week. Of course there are. So this is a, this is a multi-pronged problem. This kind of, we get we get the bottom barrel shit in a lot of industries in a lot of industries from top to bottom. The best people. You don't see me on the view. You don't see the best people on the view. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Mike, check this out, right? There's this thing called Decades on this on TV, and it was talking about this week in history. February 27th, Walter Cronkite did his famous speech where he said, we have to wonder, we have to say that the people that, because this is was half his newscast, half his newscast was the talking points from the generals and the president. The other half was field battle. Finally, he had to say, we have to stop believing what our leaders are saying, no matter how many deaths they say, no matter how many body bags that they're saying, no matter how many deaths they rack up, that they're failing. And we have to understand that this war is just over. <laughs> and that the, I mean, he came out strong. Guess what? When he made his famous speech, this is Walter Cronkite, not on 60 Minutes or in an interview. This is on the CBS News. Yeah. And he yeah. said, we have to just completely, they're lying to us. And, uh, and this war is not, is not going to be won until we negotiate. Go look at it. Okay. It's crazy. And then he said, and then so a month later, a month later is when Johnson said, I will not accept, nor will I, you know, the nomination, nor will I, if I'm elected, I will not serve. Yeah. I know. Lance, I'm going to let you go call as always. Um, but I want to, I want to go into something else. Um, I want to go into, you need to stick with me for a while. I was looking at this, didn't realize this was so long, but it's good. Now, I don't know how many people know who Scott Weiner is, but, but Scott Weiner, talk about not getting, this is, real, this is really in line with what I'm just talking about, not getting the most highly qualified, most intellectual people, right? Smartest people um, in politics. Well, Scott Weiner, I, th I think we need a new rule. You can call it, whether we're, you can call it the uh, let's be heard rule, the Micah Chopped rule. Anyone with the last name Weiner should not be allowed in politics because they always seem to fuck up. They always seem to be the worst of the worst. And they all, they all seem to have these sexual kinks, these sexual perversities that get in the way. And we know about Anthony. We know about Tony Weiner's issue right in New York uh, with the texting, the sexting with the underage girls and all that stuff. Um, but Scott Weiner is a little bit slicker than Tony Weiner. He's a slicker Weiner. He's a <laughs> the slicker Weiner. And uh, hasn't been caught doing anything technically illegal, but he he's found a way to use to get his perversions, his kinks, into politics. Not just into politics, but because he's in San Francisco. He's a state legislator. He was a city council guy city he was a board of supervisors guy, then he worked his way up and now he's in the state legislature from San Francisco, representing this area. And he's able to get his 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 sexual perversities and his kinks into policies because we know the California legislature is run by left wing whack jobs. And um, there's an so lately he's been getting worse and worse and worse. 
He's been getting worse and worse and worse. And all these crazy things he tries to get passed, all these laws, like many people don't know this, but if you're 24 years old, you can have sex with a 14-year-old here, okay, in California. For 24, you can have sex with a 14-year-old. I'll, I'll, I'll say that again. If you're 24, you can have sex with a 14-year-old. And this is based on one of Scott Weiner's laws that he got passed. So basically, and everything he does, every sick, perverted thing he does, illegal thing that he gets passed as law, is on the grounds of making everything more welcoming for the LGBTQ youth, right? It's all like we have to make the LGBTQ youth more welcome. So, you know, if they're 14, they want to have sex with a 24-year-old, they need to be able to do that. They need the freedom to do that. So you can't charge a 24-year-old, otherwise a 14-year-old can't have sex with a 24-year-old. That's oppression. You're oppressing the LGBTQ youth by not allowing someone 14 to have sex with someone 10 years older than them. And so along the lines of this, he has done other things that has really made California a haven for human trafficking, for predators, to making it easier. Predators know we're going to go to California and we can prey on people, adults and children. This is um, the City Journal, city-journal.org slash predators-paradise, if you want the story. This was just written a few days ago by Abigail Schreier. Um, and she writes this story, which has to do with Scott Weiner and his, and his, his laws. Um, this story will appear in City Journal's upcoming special issue on California, which they're going to publish in March. This is the freedom that, that, that Scott Weiner and Gavin Newsom talk about. This is the California freedom. Forget about the freedom to own your business, to open your business, to not wear a mask. Forget about the freedom to not be forced to get a medical procedure that can kill you. That's not the freedom that Gavin Newsom's talking about. That's the freedom Ron DeSantis is talking about. The freedom Scott Weiner and Gavin Newsom is talking about is the freedom of a 24-year-old to have sex with a 14-year-old and the freedom to sex traffic. That's the free state of California to them. On a Saturday night in South Los Angeles, cars pull up and idle along the side streets of Figueroa, high beams ablaze, so that the drivers can get a good look at the girls, in quotes. The women stand there astride in the middle of the street, in pasties and G-string bikinis under fishnet dresses. Draped over their shoulders are unzipped coats. Even in temperate L.A., the nice January chill is still biting. In seven-inch loose side heels, they teeter toward the driver of each car the way you might walk barefoot across gravel. Less than a block away, their pimps keep company on a sidewalk corner in hoodies and loose jeans, watching their quarry, awaiting the payout. Absent is the one thing that might typically break up the party like a police car. In early January, I joined Erin Wilson and Stephanie Powell on a tour of the track on Figueroa. The track is in quotes. One of California's busiest prostitution areas. For decades, Wilson, who volunteers for the anti-trafficking organization Journey Out, and her mother Powell have worked to combat human trafficking in Los Angeles and to help women and child victims escape this brutal world. In our post-feminist era, Prostitution is so often idolized, sex work is work, that it's easy to overlook the gruesome reality of what it means to have a pimp, an arrangement closer to slave an arrangement closer to slavery than to a legit job. The horror stories I could tell you about prostitutes being beaten and being choked and being burned and being raped, said Vanessa Russell of Love Never, Love Never Fails, an anti-trafficking nonprofit based near Oakland, and the PTSD and all the mental health, the trauma bonding, the psychotic breaks. Maybe you're somebody who likes to have sex more than once a day, 
but nine to 21 times with different guys, some that are like 90 years old that smell, nine to 21 times over what period, I ask? One day, she said. That's healthy living? I don't think so. The body's not even made for that. Like the pelvic inflammatory disease that you see, she ticks off the way the ways a woman's body is subject to microbial assault, the STDs, yeast infections, UTIs, that are frequent among the women she sees. Their hospital records prove, she says, that the human body is not meant to have that much activity going on. And then the girls that are out there, what they're being sold, they don't even get to take showers in between. Well, the last few decades have seen an increase in human trafficking. Women at all three of the anti-trafficking groups I spoke with across California agreed. Nothing compares with the stunning rise in trafficking they've witnessed in recent months. Powell, formerly a sergeant in the LAPD's vice division, knows the city streets intimately. Over the last six months, the number of prostitutes has doubled, she says. On Figueroa, between 68th and 75th, in an hour, you might see about 30 girls out there. Now you can see maybe 60 to 65 in an hour. What shifted? The answer, the anti-trafficking advocates told me, is Senate Bill 357, SB 357, signed by Governor Gavin Newsom this past July. The measure decriminalized loitering with the intent to engage in prostitution. The bill did not officially take effect till January 1st of this year, but from the moment it became law back in July, these women say the on-the-ground reality changed. The minute the governor signed it, you started seeing an uptick on the streets, Powell said. And on social media, the pimps were saying, you better get out there and work because the streets are ours now. The pimps were right. Police stopped making arrests for crimes that would no longer be charged. Like we're talking about, the anti-laundering statute had provided the grounds for officers to question women and children whom they suspected might be trapped in a prostitution ring. As a police officer, you need probable cause to stop and investigate, Powell explained. So if I have a law that says you can't loiter in this area with pasties and a G-string flagging down cars, I could stop you for that because you're loitering. But if I just say I'm stopping you because you look kind of young, that's a little weak. So it takes away a tool. Without the statute, police hands were suddenly tied. Henceforth, questioning the girls and potentially provoking a violent confrontation with pimps came to seem a pyrrhic gamble, one that California's police officers would now avoid. Prostitution remains legal in California, but police have lost significant ground in the effort to contain it. Women at anti-trafficking nonprofits in the Bay Area, San Diego and L.A. still emphasize the only time they have the right to engage and investigate is if they hear the transaction going on between the buyer and the exploited person, said Russell, who works closely with the Oakland's police department, which means it would have to be a sting operation where there's an undercover officer posing as an exploited person who can actually hear the transaction. Any other scenarios would not be grounds for the police to get involved. Sergeant Marcos Campos of the Oakland Police Department told me that his force rescued 24 underage girls from the streets in 2021. But in 2022, that number dropped to 14, most from before the law was signed. Since, I believe, July, when we were officially told it passed, we have been directed by the district attorney's office to not arrest for statute 653.22, which is loitering, he said. You might wonder at this point, who actually benefits from SB 357? Sergeant Campos wonders too, not the community, not the communities, he said, for whom a rise in trafficking brings more gun violence, which often attends prostitution. Not the sex workers, many of whom rely on police officers for help in escaping their pimps. I think if anything, it probably helped the sex traffickers the most, Campos said. Why would anyone propose such a law? Why would the California state legislature pass it? I asked the bill's author, San Francisco-based state senator Scott Weiner, 
The answer he gave is the, is the one he supplies for so many of the bills he authors. It was necessary to advance the rights of the LGBTQ people. If you are standing on the sidewalk with high heels and you, and you, and you wear your hair a certain way and you wear tight clothing, an officer can say, I think you're loitering with the intent to commit prostitution. Arrest you, Wiener said. That is not how we should be doing things in the United States of America, arresting people for how they look, he continued. And when you do that, not surprisingly, it's only certain kinds of people who actually get arrested. It's trans women. It's black women. It's inherently profiling law, he said. Randomly arresting a bunch of black trans women for how they look is not protecting potential victims of human trafficking. But were the police indeed randomly arresting a bunch of black trans women? The anti-trafficking advocates I spoke with dispute this. For starters, Wilson, Powell, and Russell, all of whom are African-American, say that biological women and girls, not transgender individuals, constitute the vast majority of those trafficked. Nearly every report on human trafficking by global human rights organizations confirms this observation. And if the women I saw on Figueroa are indication discerning which are involved in prostitution does not require sophisticated sartorial judgments, but only two eyes and a brain. If a woman is wearing a G-string bikini in the middle of the street, and if she's flagging down cars while men in dark clothes stand watch as if holding an invisible leash, she is very likely to be a modern-day sex slave. Russell, who has worked in tech for 20 years, became interested in combating human trafficking while teaching inner-city kids to dance. Twelve years ago, one of her students, age 15, was raped in Hayward and then trafficked throughout California for a year. The girl had no mother or father in her life. She was being raised by family members, and someone did a strategy that's called Romeo pimping to get her to believe they were her boyfriend. And then they introduced violence into the relationship, Russell said. And she ended up being sold by multiple exploiters throughout the Bay Area in Vallejo, Southern California, and Oakland, and so on. Russell started Love Never Fails as part of a rescue mission for girls like her former student. Twelve years ago, people didn't even know what human trafficking was. There were all these myths about it being something that's only happening to people from other countries. Then there were, there were myths about slavery as ended here. And so I think we did a good job of demonstrating that, no, it's alive and well, and it's happening here in the U.S. 83% of all cases within the U.S. are of U.S.-born people. On my ride along Powell and with Wilson in Los Angeles, just at the 10 p.m. before the track really gets going, I saw several lines of vehicles stretching around the block, each manned by a prospective client waiting for his chance with one of the girls. At least 35 males worked the lines, most of them white or Latina, many looking very young, under 18. I identified only one prostitute as transgender, though Powell noted there were likely others at the second location on Western Avenue. Powell and Wilson told me that the traffic starts to pick up about 11 p.m. and peaks around midnight. As the hour neared 11, more and more women indeed appeared along Figueroa, but Powell and Wilson made certain that they were left before midnight. After 11.30, the chance of gun violence erupting escalate so we wouldn't be safe. In Oakland and in San Diego area, Russell and Maria Ugarte, a woman who runs an anti-trafficking group out of San Diego County, reiterate the vast majority of the traffic are female. Black women and girls in Oakland, Russell was clear, and girls in Oakland, Russell was uh, careful to specify. But there's another population Russell had seen rise in the last few years among the ranks of the victims that those identify as LGBTQIA+. Scott Wiener's social media antics might invite comparisons with those of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Ilan Omar. On Twitter, he has posted pictures of himself posing bare-chested at San Francisco's Folsom Street Fair, arms shrung around men in bondage gear. 
During the monkeypox outbreak last summer, he approvingly tweeted an article encouraging gay men to cover up their bumps with Band-Aids and party on. And he threatened to make Drag Queen 101 a mandatory part of K-12 education. He later said that the threat was tongue-in-cheek. Unlike tongue where he usually puts it, uh, like other media, that's me, by the way, not the article, in case you didn't know. Like other media droid attention-seeking politicians, Weiner seems to delight in trolling his detractors. Yet in a political era defined by legislative gridlock in Washington, Weiner stands out as one of the nation's most effective lawmakers. In the six years since the Harvard Law grad took office, he has managed to author and get past a series of radical gender and sex-related bills. The measures have allowed biological male felons to self-ID their way into women's prisons, assign criminal penalties to healthcare workers who failed to provide gender-affirming care, made California a sanctuary state for LGBTQ youth, expanded access to gender-affirming care for LGBTQ-identified youth with and without parental approval, proposed jail time for healthcare workers who willfully and repeatedly misgender a patient, i.e. refer them in a way at odds with their gender identity, decriminalized the intentional exposure of a sexual partner to HIV, and reduce criminal penalties for sex offenders. Another Wiener bill introduced in 2021 sought to decriminalize um, psilocybin and ketamine, but it failed to pass, partly because of the vocal opposition of former state Senate Republican Melissa Melendez, who railed against easing restrictions on ketamine, a drug notorious for facilitating date rape. I'm like, do you guys not see the agenda here? I mean, honestly, in the legislature, I think people came to just sort of accept those types of bills from him because he's from San Francisco. She told me in a telephone conversation, undeterred, Wiener in December reintroduced a modified version of the bill. In thoroughly blue California, where Democrat lawmakers have since 2018 enjoyed a veto-proof supermajority in both chambers, Republican legislators are all but irrelevant, and Governor Gavin Newsom is legislative show poodle. It's Wiener who calls the shots. Republicans and centrist Democrats are often frustrated in trying to oppose bills coming from the left. As a former Senate aide and a California Republican Party strategist told me, Wiener, one of the country's most prominent and outspoken defenders of LGBTQ rights, is uniquely difficult to oppose. The moment you speak out against one of his bills, uh, just like he does with me, he turns around and says, you're homophobic or transphobic. You're this or you're that, Melendez said. I don't care. You call me whatever you want. That doesn't change the fact of what your bill does. Wiener indeed typically argues that his politically charged gender and sexual-related bills are needed to fight invidious discrimination against LGBTQ people. When Greg Abbott announced that the state of Texas was going to investigate and prosecute parents who allowed their trans kids to get gender-affirming care, we knew that we needed to do something, he said. And then we saw it start to spread to other states, and so we sprang into action and put together the Sanctuary State Bill to make clear that if kids do not feel safe in Texas or other states, they come to California and we do our best to protect them. But as some of Wiener's bills seek to protect LGBTQ youth, they also present a golden opportunity for a different group, adults who would take advantage of them. Wiener is an extremely dangerous person, so extremely dangerous that I cannot believe that people cannot read in between the lines, said Marissa Ugarte, who runs the anti-trafficking nonprofit Bilateral Safety Card or Coalition based in National City, just south of San Diego. Wiener's turning California, she warned, into a sex trafficking paradise whatever the intent behind many of his bills he does not seem he does not seem to be their effect this does, doesn't seem to be their effect to make life better for sexual predators consider the wiener authored sb 145 a 2020 measure that amended the sex offender registration laws in california so that an adult 
having anal or oral sex with a minor child could avoid getting placed on the sex offenders registry as long as the child was at least 14 and the adult was no more than a decade older. That's as I just said. Defenders of the law have noted that there has long been judicial latitude in California in order to place perpetrators of statutory rape on the sex offender registry. If the crime involved was vaginal intercourse with a minor, the minor was at least 14 and the offender was within 10 years of her age. Wiener's bill extends such potential leniency in sentencing to statutory rape involving anal or oral sex. He has many times defended the bill as required to end blatant discrimination against LGBT young people regarding California's sex offender registry, as his website declares. The only thing SB 145 did was to treat LGBTQ young people exactly the same, the same way that straight people have always been treated on the sex offender registry, which is if you're within a certain age range and the statutory rape that happened, then judges have always had discretion to decide whether someone should go on the sex offender registry, he told me. Wiener is correct on the history. California law did treat 25-year-old statutory rapists differently, depending on the manner of intercourse they had with their victim. That discrepancy called out for remedi remediation. The same treatment should apply to anal sex with a minor. But if the problem is inequality, why not place both sets of offenders on the registry? Why not amend the registry so that a 24-year-old who has sex with a 14-year-old will land on the sex registry irrespective of whether the statutory rape is anal or vaginal? My job is to get equality for my community so that these queer kids' lives aren't being ruined because of this discrimination, he replied. We're just ending the discrimination. If someone else wants to go in and try to change the law for everyone, they're entitled to introduce that bill. No one has done that. All we're asking is for equal treatment, and that is fundamental fairness. And it's not the gay kid's responsibility to come in and change your registry for everyone in order to get equality. But who exactly are these queer kids and gay kids he's talking about? He can't be referring to the young gay teens who are the victims of felony statutory rape. Those minors weren't being discriminated against by the law. They were being protected by its bright line insistence that they were sexually off limits to predatory adults. When he refers to discrimination against queer kids, Wiener seems actually to be concerned with the law's unfairness to the perpetrators of felony statutory rape. That is, he worries about a 20-something adult, a kid, in his turn of phrase, who has sex with a minor. Many of us would reasonably be opposed uh, the prosecution of, say, an 18-year-old high school senior arrested for a consensual sexual encounter with, let's say, a 16-year-old boyfriend or girlfriend. But in California, that scenario doesn't describe a felony and does not require anyone to register as a sex offender. Wiener's bill deals with older offenders who have sexual relations with 14 or 15-year-old kids. Uh, it's, it's, it, I'll get, I'm pausing here. It's, 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 almost, it's almost like he wants to be able to do these things, right? He wants him and his friends to be able to do these things. I asked him why these young teens don't, shouldn't deserve the protection of the law. Then why aren't you asking this of any other legislator who applied? I mean, honestly, what you're doing is you're saying to the gay people who are just asking to be treated equally, why don't you change everything for everyone? And no one's asking that of any straight legislator. The, uh, argue, the equality argument is Wiener's classic sleight of hand, as he's practiced it many times. When he authored the bill to eliminate the felony penalty enhancement, for knowingly exposing a sexual partner to HIV, for example, he claimed the mantle of fighting the discrimination against those living with the disease. But as a consequence of the bill, there is now no justice for a gay man infected by HIV by a sex partner who lied about it. The violation of his consent and bodily integrity now go unvindicated. Similarly, the violent reality of today's pimp-dominated sex trade seems to have escaped Wiener's legislative pen. As we have seen, the repeal of the anti-loitering statute 
is a boon to human traffickers, not their victims. Has Rina ever been down on Fig, Powell said, referring to the sex trade on Figueroa? Has he seen it? I really wonder. Nowhere is a disconnect between Wiener's talk of LGBTQ civil rights and the on-the-ground effects of his bills more obvious than with his sanctuary state legislation, SB 107. Enacted just this month, the law purported to turn California into a state of refuge for trans kids and their families, as Wiener himself declared on Twitter. To understand the impact of this law, once you begin with the bill that it amends, California's Uniform Child Custody Jurisdiction Enforcement Act, which deters interstate form shopping and parental kidnapping by making the justification in custody disputes the exclusive province of his home state courts. 49 of 50 states, including California, adopted this rule, voluntarily limiting the jurisdiction of their courts. For example, a father under investigation by Wisconsin Child Protective Services cannot simply flee with his kid to Michigan to have his custody uh, determination adjudicated in a jurisdiction that he considers more favorable. But Wiener's sanctuary state bill now amends California's UCCJEA to allow other, to allow California courts to exercise jurisdiction where the parents would otherwise be prosecuted in their home states for having medically transitioned their minor children. A reaction to the laws in various states that have criminalized gender medical treatments on minors, the bill halts the extradition of such parents for these home state offenses and refuses to cooperate with out-of-state law enforcement for this purpose. This provision may simply be unconstitutional. California's court's refusal to cooperate with out-of-state subpoenas and extradition laws in this context may violate the full faith and credit clause of the U.S. Constitution under which states are bound to enforce other states' court orders. But there's another arguably more mischievous provision of the sanctuary state bill. It states, a court of this state has temporary emergency jurisdiction if the child is present in the state and the child has been abandoned or is necessary in an emergency to protect the child because the child or a sibling or a parent of the child is subjected to or there or threatened with mistreatment or abuse or because the child has been unable to obtain gender affirming health care or gender affirming mental health care. Read that carefully. A court may obtain temporary emergency jurisdiction over the child, over the care of a child if she has been unable to obtain gender-affirming medical care in her home state. The law seems to equate child abuse and neglect with failing to provide gender-affirming medical transitioning process to a child. At the very least, the law treats them as equivalent for the purposes of letting the court take jurisdiction over the care of the minor. Does this bill promise what it plainly seems to? Invite runaways to California from across the country to undergo gender medical transition? Does it permit California minors to liberate themselves and their families by coming before a judge, declaring they have been blocked from obtaining gender-affirming care by unsupportive parents, and so escaping their parents' authority? I asked a criminal law expert with experience working on federal state joint criminal investigations to interpret the provision for me. That means the kid's going to come to California and go to some nonprofit, which is going to bring the kid before the family court, and the court would say, we find you've been abandoned or you've been unable to get necessary health care, and so we're going to assume custody over you and let you do what you want, she said. It's a heck of a carrot dangle in front of a teenager already fighting with a parent, desperate to set limits. Come to California. We have the power to liberate you from possibly the only adults in your life devoted to your best interests. The only reliable source of guardrails of the unfashionable but sometimes necessary to protect them. No. LGBTQ youth who arrive in California 
as a result of the bill and join the ranks of the homeless would be vulnerable to traffickers. If you build a sanctuary state, those seeking refuge will likely come, even if the refuge they seek is only from their parents' rules. Homeless youth have long flocked to California. Wien has helped make the state a magnet for many more. <clears throat> In 2019, this is almost over, this is a great article, uh, Wiener co-sponsored the LGBTQ Foster Youth Bill of Rights, another law with disturbing implications. The bill granted LGBTQ-identified foster kids the rights, among other things, to abortions, contraception, and medical treatment for sexual assault without the knowledge or consent of any adult. Included in this bill of new rights was this one, the right to access to computer technology and the Internet. Suddenly, their foster parents found it impossible to police the Internet activity of their foster kids. The bill's supporters claim that the Internet access allows LGBTQ foster youth to obtain the peer support they need. Such support is necessary, they say, since so many of these kids are extremely vulnerable, lacking intact family. But that same vulnerability should make us extraordinarily wary of government handling numberless adults with what amounts to the right of Internet access to these children. After all, so much harm comes to adolescents via fiber optic cables. Why prevent foster parents, adults the state has at least vetted, from regulating foster kids' communications with unvetted adults? As a result of this law, sexual, adult sexual predators of all orientations in California gain greater access to child victims. The, the internet has become a major tool of traffickers, particularly of boys, Ogarte told me. Sextortion is the new trend where there's an avatar girl and they befriend a boy. They send them to a chat room and say, hey, you know, I like you. Why don't you let me see your body? I want to see what you look like because you're so handsome. He gets naked. And then once they do that, they go and tell him, if you don't give us five grand, we're going to expose you all in the Internet, meaning in every single social media, all your friends will see it. Wiener's distractors often assign to him malign intentions. But guessing at intent is unproductive. The truth is an inherent reality doesn't. The truth is his intent doesn't matter. The effects of naivete, ambition, or wrongheaded zeal for social transformation can be just as devastating as anything proceeding from darker motives. I mean, he's a smart guy, a Republican former Senate staffer said. On other issues, those that aren't the hot-button social issues, he likes to hear opposing opinions and likes to try and address concerns that people may have. He's even earned the reputation in San Francisco for being a moderate, supportive of real estate developers who have donated handsomely to his campaigns, for instance, and opposing far leftists on the environment. Wiener's often statesmanlike and easy to get along with, the GOP staffer told me. And he will present a formidable candidate to replace Nancy Pelosi in the 11th district as a congressional career draws to a close. But in terms of legislative influence, he would almost certainly be a step down. <clears throat> From his perch in America's most left-leaning district, Wiener is already legislating for the country, establishing a model for ambitious progressive officeholders to follow and inviting America's misunderstood children to flock to the Golden State. The sex industry has historically capitalized on people who feel lost, people feel unloved, people feel unseen, Russell observed. And, you know, they do a great job, especially when they're in the throes of it, of making that person believe that they're having a good time. And then later, when they're more stabilized, they'll come back and go, oh, my gosh, that was so horrible. It was one of the worst times in my life. Abigail Schreier, by the way, is a writer living in L.A. and the author of Irreversible Damage, the Transgender, the transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. So this is all... Would you say, Daniel, it's almost as though the Daniel said the, it's almost like the entire Epstein client list is trying <laughs> to turn California into their sanctuary state. Yeah. Well, this is it. This is what 
Look, this is like the bastardization of LGBTQ rights, right? There was a time when they needed people advocating for their rights, right? They needed, they weren't getting the same rights as other people, right? So you're talking about the 70s, the 80s, there are groups like ACT UP and the Gay Men's Health Crisis, and they were fighting for these basic things, right? And they got them. And now they've become such a powerful, powerful base with people like Scott Wiener in very powerful positions that now they're going off the charts, right? Now they're going crazy. Someone like Scott Wiener is going crazy. And basically what we're seeing is pushing the envelope so far that it gets to the point where it's actually hurting people, right? It's actually hurting children, right? It's actually hurting people instead of helping people. Now, does he know this? As this article points out, does he know? Is he not? Is it not nefarious? Does he think he's doing things to help the community when in fact, in reality, they're hurting the community? That's a, a possibility. That would mean he has no common sense, which is very common among the left, right? It, we saw that during COVID. It's very common for the left to have no common sense. So it's very possible and no street cred, no street sense. As she said, is, has he been to Figueroa? Does he really understand the real world implication? People say I'm cynical. I don't like him. I don't. I hate Scott Wiener. I think he's disgusting. But the problem with that argument that he's just naive, he doesn't know the real world consequences. He's being told the real world consequences, not just with articles like this. He's been told for years about the, I'm sure he's heard horror stories about the real world consequences of these bills. He doesn't seem to care. So basically, and then he does the thing the left always does when they don't want to argue and they don't want to bring in facts, right? When they don't want to talk about real facts and statistics and what a bill or a law really does or doesn't do, they'll say things like, oh, you're a Trumper, you're a white supremacist, you're a domestic terrorist. His go-to line, as she points out, is, oh, you're homophobic, you're transphobic. That's his go-to line. When you go to a line like that, my feeling is you are doing things for nefarious reasons. You don't want to hear the facts. You don't want to hear the other side. You have your narrative. I think Scott Wiener is simply a pervert. He's simply a sick individual. He's a triple A Sokola who wants his personal fetishes put into law. His personal fetishes, his personal psychological, dark psychological desires put into law. That's what he is. That's what I believe Scott Wiener is. Yes, I think the worst of him because he does this over and over again. He does it over and over again. And people come to him. Parents come to him. Journalists come to him and they say, Scott, this is hurting people. This is hurting my kid. This is hurt he keeps doing it. So my feeling is he's working his own, he's working at his own personal fetishes. He's putting his own personal fetishes and desires into law. Like she says about the 14, 24-year-old thing. It's not protecting the 14-year-old, it's protecting the 24-year-old. So it's almost like, I know Scott's older than that, but it's almost like he, he, want, he wishes he could have when he was that age, done that legally. He wants people that age, maybe people he knows, maybe younger people in the community to be able to do that to be able to prey on younger people. He thinks that's fine. Scott Wiener thinks that a 24-year-old having sex with a 14-year-old in this in the year 2023 is, is, is fine, okay? And, and, and there shouldn't be any real prosecution done. And we know the real prosecution, the real thing that follows these predators through life is being put on that list where people can like look them up and see if they're their next door neighbors and if they have kids, that is taken away. So that, that, that real punishment, the real punishment for that is, is taken away. 
because Scott Wiener personally believes that should be okay. That's his own sexual perversion. That's his own sexual proclivity. He thinks that should be fine. Well, it's in his head. If he thinks that should be fine, that's good. But that should not be put into law. But because, and, and, and Scott Wiener could not exist in uh, Ohio or Florida or Texas, but a Scott Wiener can exist in California. And a Scott Wiener can really exist in the Bay Area, in San Francisco. It's as they wrote in this article. People in the state legislature say, oh, we expect this from Wiener. He's in San Francisco. My God, what a shithole this city has become. That's what people think of San Francisco now. Sex perverts and homelessness, shit and crime. That's what people think about. That's what most people, these are Californians and they think this way. Oh, he's just Wiener from San Francisco. We expect these crazy bills, but many of them pass. And now they're talking about him being the next Nancy Pelosi. Well, sure, it's California. It's San Francisco. Of course he could. There's no doubt. Look, Scott Wiener won easily when he ran for city council. He was easy here. He was state, state, Senate, he, state Senate, he won easily. The same people will be voting for him for Congress. He will easily take Pelosi's seat. Easily. He'll easily win it. He'll easily win the primary. And then, of course, a Democrat can't lose here. How sick is that? So <laughs> this is the thing. I blame Scott Wiener a lot, and as I am now, and it's true. But you have to blame the people who put Scott Wiener. Scott Wiener can't be in that position if he's not voted into that position. That's why people always say, Mike, why don't you run for something in San Francisco? How the fuck, do, how the fuck would I win? How would I win? These people love Scott Wiener. The people in this city love this guy, okay? They love Nancy Pelosi. They love Scott Wiener. They love Gavin Newsom. They love... Diane Feinstein, they love these people. It's impossible to beat them. Impossible. One wonders how many people in the city feel the same way as Scott, that they want their own sexual perversions being law. So you have to blame the people who put him there. He cannot be there. He cannot exist. He's a non-entity without the voters. Without the voters, he's just a crazy guy screaming about this shit out of his window or maybe doing a podcast about it. He cannot make law. They allow him to do this. They allow him to do this. Shame on them. Shame on them. Once again, this is from Predators Paradise, cityjournal.org. Abigail Schreier from January 24th. You really, you know, I read it all, but you should, everyone should read it again to themselves. I wasn't going to read the whole thing, but it's fascinating. It's really well-written, incredibly well-written. And like I said, this is going to be a larger piece on California uh, in the City Journal in March. That should be interesting. Yeah, so yeah, I hate to end the show on just a sour note, but um, that's who Scott Wiener is. And she's right. If you look at his Twitter account, I don't recommend it. But if you do, he, he puts up these photos of himself, like half naked, three quarters naked. I mean, should should a politician do that? Should a state senator do that? Is that, is he, if he, if he, when he wins the U.S. House, if he runs for it, is he going to do that? Put up these photos of him at these, at these you know, at Folsom Street or Dury Alley, half naked with a leash. Is he, is he going to put those photos up? Is that what he thinks equality is? Do straight people do that? Do straight politicians do that? I don't think so. I haven't seen Rand Paul do it. I, I, I haven't seen Gavin Newsom do it. Thank God. Once again, 
It's his own sexual perversity. And when you confront him on it, he says you're homophobic or transphobic. Because he knows the reality is if he had to actually duke it out with facts and he couldn't win. Common sense, he couldn't win. So he ends and this works. This works in the state legislature. He calls another opposing state who opposes his bills. He says, you're homophobic or transphobic. Shut up. And they do. You have to see. We have to stop doing that. We have to stop doing that. We have to say, fuck you. You're a pervert. You're a child molester. Why don't they do that? Why don't they do that? You're a pervert. You're a child molester. You're hurting children. You're destroying lives. Why don't they say that? That's what I would say. They have to throw this right back in his face. They have to throw it right back in his face. Instead of backing down. Because you can't give these you can't give these people an inch. You can't give them anything. You can't give them any satisfaction. Haven't we learned anything from the last three, four years? Haven't we learned anything from the last three or four years? I would hope that we had, but it doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like it. And he gets away with this stuff. And this is hurting people. It's hurting It's hurting the same people, the exact people he claims it's there to help. The LGBTQ community, children, women, African-American, Latinos. That's who it's hurting the most. It's not hurting white men. He's the white man who's making laws that are hurting these minorities that he claims to cherish and want to protect. And that is just incredibly disgusting. Truly, truly grotesque. Truly grotesque. He's making it easier for predators to prey on both adults and children, all in the name of LGBTQ rights. That's what Scott Wiener is. That's what he does. And the people here allow him to do it. The people in this city allow him to hurt people, to destroy lives. It, it's it's some kind of very sick, very sick virtue signaling, right? This is incredibly, this is virtue, this is the most warped, disgusting kind of virtue signaling. And the people here love him. They love him. They think he's a, a, a true protector of the gay community. They're a true protector of LGBTQ rights. Allowing people, children to be trafficked. Not allowing police to protect people who are being trafficked. Uh, allowing 24-year-olds to have sex with 14-year-olds. This is a protector of LGBTQ rights. Why, why, did, why does a 24-year-old, why, why do we have to, why do we have to talk about this at all? Why? Why is it even, why is it even being talked about? Why, why can't adults have sex with adults? All he's doing is hurting the LG. Well, people see this and they go, look how sick these people are. That's what he does too. He makes people outside this area look at this and say, look how sick these people are. Do you, cause you don't hear a straight politician talking about that, right? You don't hear a straight politician saying, I want to protect, I want to make sure a 24 year old doesn't get on the sex registry from having sex with a 14 year old. But what he's saying is the gay community, it should be okay. In the gay community, it's, it's, it's good. It's fine. 
It just makes the gay community look terrible. It makes them look perverted. It, it, it sets them back three or four decades. That's the problem with a lot of this stuff. It sets them back three or four decades. Just like we see from a lot of these legislators always saying they're doing things for, you know, for, for minority rights. And, and the, the thing they do end up setting their rights back three or four decades. We see it all the time. This is the same thing. It's the same thing. I, I thought the city got past that a long time ago. But obviously not. When you have, when you, when you have, it's one thing to have someone in Mississippi saying, oh, you ex- I expect this from a guy in San Francisco. These are people in California. These are other legislatures around the state saying they expect this from the guy in San Francisco. It's terrible. It's just awful. It's just awful. It's just another black eye on this city that I live in. It's another black eye on this city that we have a guy like this that exists in the state Senate and could certainly be in the U.S. House in two years. It's, it's frightening. It's absolutely frightening. All right, I'm going to do a last call for calls. Um, if you want to talk about this or anything else, why is, uh, let's see what else is trending. There's also some issue. We'll talk about it later in the week that I want to get into. Um, with eggs. Have you seen this thing with eggs where eggs are like $9? It's almost like a buck an egg now. And they're doing this thing where people are buying chickens. There's these people who are selling chickens to people. So you can have your own little chicken farm. So, and, and the, and the idea of why eggs are so expensive, why eggs are so expensive and why the government isn't focusing on it enough that people are actually paying eight, $9 a dozen now for, for eggs, which is, it's insane. It's a, it's a huge issue. Actually, it's becoming a bigger problem. Uh, it sounds funny sometimes because it's about eggs and chickens, but it's just really true. Um, and people are finding that, you know, that was kind of a cheap source of protein for a lot of people, especially with a bad economy. And now families can't even afford to buy eggs anymore. So um, there's that. There's uh... – oh, Bill. Good. Let's get a little call in from Bill before I sign off. Hey, Bill, how are you? Hey, Mike. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. What's up? Well, I wanted to listen for a while because I just came in and I wasn't really sure what, you know, the issue was going on, uh, that you were, you know, talking about. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know enough about it to really comment on that per se, but I, I, it doesn't sound good. Um, regarding the chicken thing, though, that I thought I can, comment on um i think from my understanding the first thing they were doing to diagnose this supposed bird flu was using the pcr test and wiping out whole flocks of chickens at you know farms based on the pcr test well you and i both know the flaws in that that's that's a that's a that's a bullshit reason yeah bullshit reason Actually, I was watching a, a segment on Tucker Carlson, and that got me thinking about it. And it they seem to be what seems to be the issue when you talk to a lot of these people who run, you know, farms is that the the feed that they were feeding the chickens was bad, and it was, they weren't able to lay eggs. And a lot of them have changed the food that they mm-hmm. have fed, and mm-hmm. the people who have changed the food, all of a sudden the chickens started laying eggs again. So the whole the whole the whole government narrative, of course, is the bird flu thing, right? Right. 
But we know that's total bullshit. That's a bullshit yeah. excuse. It's not real. It's not. It's not real. Now, did you hear there was? And they killed these chickens. So they killed. Mm, the that's animals. right. They they killed the. Think about that. Oh, mm-hmm. let's, let's relate that to humans. That would be like if a human tested positive for COVID, they killed them. That's what they did. They used no. a PCR test, and if they tested positive for this bird flu, they killed them, even though the test could be wrong. Oh, well, yeah, and if anyone may be listening who doesn't know, Carrie Mullis, who designed the test back in AIDS time, um, Nobel Prize winning scientist, said basically, you know, what do we use it for? Will we create a whole lot of something out of something that basically they can amplify and right. and just show more of and that was originally to be used for as a tool for them in their labs to do certain tests and uh experiments and then perhaps forensics you know looking at uh crime scene like dna you know off of uh, uh you know new new dna test uh, type of thing but he from he, he, you can find him, um, and I can look for videos to put in, uh, where he's saying that it's never designed to diagnose a disease. You know what I mean? And so we know that, but just for the people who don't know, Carrie, K-A-R-Y Mullis. I mean, you're not going to find him on Google or not those arguments or YouTube, but I, I use a, a browser called Yandex which I found in the Play Store where I find so much stuff, Mike, that has been removed from YouTube and Google. What's you know what I mean? What's it called? It's called Yandex, Y-A-N as in Nancy, D as in David, E-X. And I was searching in the Play Store for something else because I'm like, man, I used to find all these videos, you know, back, you know, years ago, 10 years ago, the videos I've talked to you about, you know, certain ones, and even the whole video on Anonymous Inc., you know, the 60-minute piece on money laundering in the United States. And I'm like, all I could find was a snippet of it, you know, on YouTube now. And I'm like, what happened to the whole story? And so first I tried Brave. As a search engine, you know, as a browser, I was like, it was better, but there was still stuff I had. So if I'm in the place where, what is this Yandex? And bang, I hit Yandex and all the old YouTube stuff. You know what I mean? It's all there. This is just an app where can you you can't it's not on the internet. You have to add that. Yeah. Oh yeah. All you can do is go into the Play Store and download it. It's just a different browser. Oh, I got you. Okay. Okay. The search engine. I got you. Now listen to this. We, I must be a Russian asset now because it's a Russian search engine. <laughs> but that's where they haven't censored these. This is YouTube stuff that used to be on YouTube, uh, most of it. Do you follow me? Well, YouTube took off the Pfizer video. They oh, Pfizer. yeah. Did they? Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. You, are you talking about the Project Veritas one? Yeah. Is that? Yo, come on. They took it off. They called it COVID vaccine misinformation. Oh, get out of here. Unbelievable. Yeah, I thought you would know that. They did a couple of days ago. They took it off. I, well, I, I I saw that first on when Jimmy Durr covered it with uh, Kurt Metzer and then uh, redacted. Natalie and Clayton Morris covered it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And That's where I caught it. This is an actual verified Pfizer yeah. executive. Word oh, in his own mouth, and YouTube has the balls to say it's misinformation. Unbelievable. It's fake, it's fake news. It's all fake. It's all, It's ridiculous. <laughs> 
It is. They'll fact check anything. They'll fake check it. I, you know, Fable Book is another one. You know, I call them Fable Book well, now. Facebook, CNN, mm-hmm. MSNBC, YouTube. Yeah. Go, you know, you know, Bill. We talk about so well, follow the money. See who the, yeah. how much money they make off big pharma. See how much mm-hmm. advertising they get from big pharma. See how much yeah. advertising Pfizer and Moderna does, and Abbott and Merck do on yeah. this. And then you wonder, oh, I wonder why they sell, they censor this stuff. Uh-huh. Oh, it, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. That, it's criminal. Um, they're destroying the, uh, what people need to hear and learn and know. We've, we've, we've seen all the good doctors that we know of that were telling the truth from the beginning on, you know, protocols and repurposed drugs and, you know, everybody I'm talking about and they got, blacklisted and removed and that you know and then we have this video with project veritas you're like i'm thinking aha this is so big yeah, it's gonna crack him. the egg we got him of course yeah. we got him but look at all the twitter stuff mm-hmm. all the twitter files we get them mm-hmm. every week we get them again but mm-hmm. what happens they just they delete it they i know they disappear it man they disappear it doesn't exist doesn't right exist. Yep. this is crazy crazy stuff so yes yeah, so the last i saw recently was there was a huge fire at some chicken farm i i just caught the i didn't read the whole report did you know about that some big huge fire of course thousands of because these chicken farms you know they're the chickens are concentrated, especially now with this alleged bird flu they can't be let outside you know that right because god forbid they mix with wild birds, you know what I mean? Oh, they're going to get, you know, diseases and, yeah. you know, just like us now. They're, they're, they have Can to be. Can you run a chicken farm? Can you buy chickens, Bill? Do you have- well, you know, I used, I've had up to a hundred chickens in the past. I wow. had a, right. yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, listen to this one. My ex, she was an animal lover and she, she, I was on the back of a friend's property in California in the Carpinteria. It was a nursery. And this fellow's like, ah, oh, I'm not going to use the whole back of that property bill. I said, well, would you mind? I'd like to set up out there with an RV. The weather's beautiful, you know, and, uh, I don't need a big house. You know what I mean? And at that time in my life, I was like, I felt like uh, the Beverly Hillbillies. I came from, from Bridgeport, Connecticut. You know what I mean? What's Paul Newman called the armpit of America, industrial, yeah, industrial yeah. town. And I'm out there in California and I'm like, this is awesome. I'm like, the weather out here is perfect. You know, it's unbelievable. This is, you know, this was, uh, let's see, I got out there in the early nineties. And so anyway, it's like, yeah, go ahead. No problem. So my ex, she had this, dream to have like a rescue farm but she never told me where her whole agenda was <laughs> so so i go to work and i i used to operate heavy equipment and then i sometimes had to deliver boulders and stuff that we were excavating all the way to san francisco so i was on the road at times and i'd come back and there'd be animals it was like wild, wild kingdom you know animal farms and uh, uh come back and there's goats that she adopted and there's this that and the other thing she and one of her friends were in kind of cahoots to do this thing so anyway so next she says bill i'd like to have some chickens and i'm like well why not i'd like to see what it's like to have some chickens go ahead so she goes to the feed store and you can buy them at feed stores like you know at different ages you know like a couple days old to a couple weeks old, right. you know, she comes back with 50 chicks, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. 
And she, and they're in a box, you know, and I'll fix 50 chicks in a box, you know. I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, oh, that'll be great. We'll have all the eggs we want. We could, we could sell them. And I'm like, well, whatever. I said, well, I'll build a coop. You know what I mean? We'll see. We will mostly free range them and have a place where they can roost, get out from the wild. So anyway, this, this, uh, tell me when you got to roll. Cause I met the, I met this old timer. His name was old Phil. We used to call him and. Uh, he he grew up farming, you know, and the men at farmer's market, I, listen to me, I could talk, I talked to So I talk, I go to buy stuff at farmer's market and I chat with the farmers, you know, and uh, he's like, oh, I, I got all kinds of birds and I have a little kind of like bird sanctuary, plus I got my chickens and this, that, and the other thing. I used to visit him. And I'll tell you what, when they're free range, and they're walking around, they're doing their thing. They can be very peaceful to be around. You know? I heard. Yeah, so they, they are. Good. That's what I heard. Yeah. And <laughs> so anyway, so, so anyway, so he come visit. I had built this chicken coop and he says, you get those chicks in those, that coop overnight. And he go, and it was basically two by four with chicken wire. And then I buried on the skirt. I used hardware cloth to bear, dig a trench about a foot down. And skirt it with hardware cloth because things will burrow underneath. If you just put like two by four flat on the ground or, you know, even pressurized, whatever, things will burrow underneath. So you got to create kind of like this. You know, you got to have to dig down. He told me certain things to do. And then he says, well, those, I can see your chicks now. They're too young. You better put them inside in a box for a while. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, cause the rats will get through that chicken wire and they'll eat those little babies right now, Bill. They're too little. Like when they get bigger, they can fend off the mice. Yeah. He said, right now, no. I said, okay. So now what happens is when you raise chicks like that, they look up at you and they imprint with you like your mom. Cause you're putting down the water, the heat lamp, yeah. you know, the yeah. feed. And they don't know. They're just looking up at you like, oh, there's mom, you know. And so I would pick them up. Of course, they start right away. Chip, chip, chip. I tuck them under my arm. They start nuzzling under there. And so it got to where I could handle my chickens. Even when I come home, and the first thing that happened, I come home from work and walk in the big area that I had fenced in from. And I'd take a chair out. They'd come running and jump in my lap, jump on my shoulder, just like when they were little. You know what I mean? And so yeah, it was. Very, they become very attached. Oh, they become. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you know, like I said, the, the, you know, chickens are as smart as cats. You'd be surprised if you've ever owned a cat, and I didn't until I met my ex-wife at the time. And um, cats, they're, they're pretty smart characters. They got very unique personalities, of course. But um, I had one cat who would, who I could play throw a, a, a balled up. Um, paper too and she'd pay fetch and she'd bring it back to me <laughs> it's only one but anyway um it sounds like you could become doing all that with the chickens you could become like the bubble gump of chickens just scrambled eggs a scrambled egg omelet i can make a i can make a green omelet i can make a ham omelet well you <laughs> funny you mentioned that we had a um Certain birds will lay different color eggs. You know, Buffalo Orpingtons lay sort of a brownish egg. And then we had uh, anaconda. What was it called? The breed we had laid like a greenish hue, bluish hued egg. And I can't, uh, it's not anaconda like the snake. Uh, I forget the name of this bird now. It's been decades. But anyway, so we had this. So 
Of course, you get those chicks, and guess what? They're going to lay eggs, and there's going to be roosters, and you start with 50, then they, you get more because they lay. How many eggs do you get per chicken usually? Well, it depended on the time of year and how old they were. Um, what I mean is uh, they get to an age uh, where they're out of their, their youth, and they start laying. You, some of those hens were laying oh, during the summertime when it wasn't too hot and it, it, it wasn't cold at all. They they could, it seemed to me, five days a week, sometimes more. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can get a lot of eggs. Out of, now, when it gets cold, of course, they use their energy for their body heat. You know, and they're going to lay fewer eggs. Some people put lights in there to kind of trick them and heat. But, you know, they need, if they're living in not Southern Cal, but other areas, certain things you need to do with your laying down straw and, and certain things keep them warm enough. But if you start tricking them with lights like they do for commercial hens, you know, you could burn them out. You know what I mean? But the thing is, see, the big difference between raising a backyard flock and, say, what people might do with a uh, even cage-free or battery hen uh, farm. And um, so, you know, the main thing I would say to people if they're going to have a backyard uh, flock, uh, you know, do some research first. Talk to your local, go your feed store. Your local feed store is the best place to go because they may – very well have the chicks there um and you can talk to the fellow there and i'll tell you what um you're gonna learn a lot you know what i mean and uh, maybe uh, um he may know somebody who's willing to talk to you who does it more uh, in other words uh, i was always happy to have people come by and share what I had learned from old Phil and go visit him because you get, it's like a, say you live, Mike, in an area where you, zoning where you allow you to have chickens. There's only so many people in that area that are going to have chickens backyard flocks. So you get to know one another, kind of like a subculture. You know what I'm saying? Right. And you know, so, um, you can learn a lot from other folk and, uh, and what's on the internet, but, uh, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed uh, being around those birds because, uh, well, first of all, I, I'll tell you another thing. If you have a backyard flock, they're going to peck everything down on the ground, all the bugs and all the grass at some point, and you're going to end up with having to feed them, you know, some feed you buy. And as you said, I had read that recently the certain feed they had changed the formula due to supply chain issues, perhaps, or maybe other reasons. We don't really know where people were. I just recently read this. You're right. People were saying that their hens weren't laying. And so they were switching. You go online and you can find people talking about that and what they did to solve the problem, you know, um, what they added to their feed or what they did to change that up and got better results. Um, so, um, thank God for the internet yeah, for a I, lot of I'd, things. I'd, I'd, I'd first listen to actual people who raise chickens in the government. Mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't care, you know, the government narrative is not going to convince me. 
no, no. The chicken, you know, no, but you know, actually, even talking about chickens has relaxed me. Maybe I'll buy some. Chicken. <laughs> I don't think I'm allowed. I don't think my homeowners association. Probably not. It was so funny because you know Tucker Carlson's doing this segment with the guy who's raising chickens, mm-hmm. and he's got the guy on video. He's got like a chicken in his arms, and every like few seconds you hear like. Just hilarious. Yeah. It's just uh, freaking hilarious. It, but, I, I tell you one more thing. Um, <laughs> there was a. I had a little separation time from my lady. We had some trouble, and there was another woman I knew who had a farm, and she had an RV set up on her property um, for help, you know. So she said, well, Bill, if you want to come over and put an X number of hours, you can come stay at my place for a bit during your separation. So I did. Her name was Brenda. And she said, you know, I'm going to buy some chicks. I heard you're good with chicks. Uh, would you raise my chicks? I said, sure. And so I go in and I visit with them and, you know, um, the couple tricks, like say your chickens are out, come as again t- towards dark, they're going to want to go in their coop naturally, unless they're banty hens, which can fly and they're going to go up in a tree somewhere. You know what I mean? Then you're going to have a little trouble corralling them. Otherwise, if they're chickens who don't normally fly, they will go in the coop on their own. But let's say Mike, you know, you need to go somewhere and it's not quite dark enough for them to have gone in or, you know, getting towards the latter part of the day. Well, old Phil told me, he says, you can grab, grab two, three quarter inch PVC pipes, you know, like 10 foot long or so. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do with those, Phil? He said, you can corral your chickens in that way. So what do you mean? He says, all you got to do is hold them out at your side, you know, and like, if you know, then you could use them to kind of, corral your chickens and and they will just those pvc pipe they won't try and hop over it or they won't try and run around it for the most part they'll just you just guide them right in to where you want before it's dark even and close your door you know what i'm saying yeah and uh, that works more and mm-hmm. more people now are buying they're, they're actually there are now people out there like i said who are actually selling chickens now it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a business now where you can buy i think two or four and you right. can, uh, and you, if you obviously if you live in a, in, a, in a suburban or rural place, and you can make your own eggs, and it's cheaper than buying them. Can you believe they're nine dollars a dozen now? That's absolutely crazy. I, I, I mean, I think this is a again another driven shortage due to this uh, PCR test being used to oh, destroy exactly. flocks. Yeah, destroyed the killed, mm-hmm. killed chickens, and they blame the bird flu. Yeah, that doesn't fucking work for anything. And, uh, mm-hmm. and like I said, you have the. The actual uh, chicken owners who are saying they seem to be figuring out it's more of a feed thing. A certain You're right, that too. Yeah. Bill, Bill, let me let you go. I'm going to wrap this up. Oh, okay, Mike. I appreciate Good that. talking to you. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. Have a good night. Okay. So we went from Scott Wiener to chicken. Huh. Scott Wiener to chicken. Interesting. And on that note, um, I'm going to end the show. The name of the show is Unless Be Heard. Uh, it airs Monday night through Friday night, 11 p.m. Pacific. 2 a.m. Eastern, five nights a week. I'm here five nights a week, five nights a week. So, uh, and my name is uh, Mike Cachopoli, and I want to once again remind you that your influence counts. Use it. <laughs>